podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, welcome back to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your second free show of the week. I am your host, Adam Thornton, and on tonight's show, we will look back at Thursday's one-each draw uh, away to Bronby in the Europa League, and we will look ahead to the match against Ross County on Sunday. Joining me for this one is, first of all, James Tessier. Tess, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks, matey. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, thank you. And we've also got Ross Hutton. Ross, you good? Very good, mate. Thank you. Hope the tiredness isn't catching up with you too badly, mate. Yeah, being a being a full time babysitter at home and then when you go abroad is not uh, is not really great. Um, so yes, looking after David was not challenging, but it was it was tiring. Um, <laughs> I'm just really really thankful. We'll come on to it, but I'm really thankful we got that goal because um, you never want to go away and get beat. But I think when it's narrow like that, and we definitely didn't deserve to to lose the game uh, coming away with a one 0 loss would have uh, would have certainly taken the shine off what was a, a very good day following the Bears. Anyway, let's just jump right into that then. Last night's game, Tess Rangers made one change from Sunday's 6-1 win against Motherwell with Barisic coming in from for Bassey. Other than that, it was as you were. Uh, any complaints for you with the, the lineup ahead of the game? No, I, I had no issues with the lineup at all. I think um, in the circumstances, it's the strongest lineup we could have put out. Obviously, Ryan Kent's working his way back to fitness. Uh, Jack ain't ready yet. So, yeah, I think in the circumstances, mate, I, I was very happy um, with the team that we put out. Again, I think it was as strong as we could have done. And I'm more than expecting them to go out there and do the business. Yeah, absolutely. Ross, anything you'd have done differently pre-game? Well, I certainly wouldn't have played two up top like some people in the media seem to think we did. But Ugh. no, I'm being facetious, obviously. But no, lineup wise, I had absolutely no complaints. I would agree that at the moment that is probably our best starting 11. Obviously, you've got Sakala who was coming into it on a high from the weekend. Morelos has been, you know, showing signs of getting a wee bit of his own form back. I, I think bringing Barisic back in, look, Gerard spoke about it before the game to, to Emma Dodge. You want a wee bit more experience there in there than probably Bassey has. So, in terms of the actual starting 11, no complaints whatsoever. Possibly didn't work out the way we expected it to, but pre-game I had no complaints, no. Yeah, I think that's that's football really, isn't it, Tess? Um, you can you can say, well, they played with this particular team, played really well in, in that game, therefore why can't they play really well in, in the next game? And there's so many other factors that you take into account. I think the manager kind of alluded to that post-match as well, didn't he, where he said... Um, maybe I picked the wrong three or maybe the, the front three didn't do what I expected of them. At the end of the day, you're still dealing with human beings in, in different circumstances. And I guess the front three, certainly um, before the, the switch uh, uh, in the second half, didn't exactly cover themselves in glory. Might be a wee bit strong, but they didn't exactly dominate the game as they did uh, the weekend before. Well, no, but if, if Alfie's goal is allowed to stand, then it's a completely different, different match. He, he's bored because he's got his goal. Uh, Sakala came close a couple of times, but there was a couple of times that he really, God knows what he was doing. So it, it's fine margins, mate. It, it could have been very different. You I mean, obviously, you look at it as it was, and from the front three, it was a poor performance. But again, if, if Alfie's goal gets given, it's a completely different game. So you don't know how they would have done, do you? You absolutely don't. And that, I think that's a key point. Uh, Ross, we were all talking about how. Um, Rangers aren't starting games very well. Uh, I think last night was the, what are we at now, 10th game this season out of 22 where we've uh, conceded the, the first goal. Um, given how Bronby played at 0-0 in the game, um, I think I'd kind of said pre-match, it didn't look like they were capable of really coming out and testing a team like Rangers. I think that played out even at 0-0, but as Tess said, if that, that goal goes in and... I haven't watched the, the full game back. I've only went highlights, etc. I haven't seen any stills on BT Sport or, or anything. Not even sure if they were available for, for the, the, the Morelos goal. But it didn't look to me like it went ridiculously out of play. It looked like there was a couple in the second half from Barisic and maybe one other one that, that kind of looked similar to it. Uh, what was your take on the goal? And, and do you kind of agree with what me and Tess were saying? That if, if you get that goal, it's a completely different game because Bronby would, would then have to come out. And I think we would have uh, been very well suited to that. 
Yeah, I was on one of our uh, post-match shows on the site on Patreon with James Forrest yesterday, and I spoke about that then as well, because I think it's a cliche in football, right, and we all hate using them, but I think in this game is very apt. The first goal changes that game completely, because if we get the first goal, then Bromby do need to come out about an attack. Because really, Bromby had to win last night to have any chance of European football in the new year. A draw does them no use. So if we get the first goal, they then need to come out a wee bit, and I totally agree with you. I don't think they have the capabilities to hurt a team like Rangers. They didn't have a shot on target over, I believe, the two games, which kind of says it all. So a point you know, doesn't do it justice whatsoever. On the flip side, over, they're playing three at the back. They get the first goal, and then they can do what they've done in the second half, which was sitting and trying for straight Rangers, and then hurt us on the break. Now, a couple of times came close to doing that, but a lot of it was all uh, bluffing, no bluster, if I'm being totally honest. But when you give them that something to hang on to, how often do we talk about it domestically, guys? If you give a team like that something to hang on to, they can just sit and frustrate you. And that's what happened last night. On the Morelos goal, not goal, I don't think the replays of it were perfect, to be honest, because they didn't really have a camera right on the line. You need to maybe give VAR the benefit of the doubt there, which I know is not anything that we like to do very often, but they did look at it for quite a while. So I'm not going to, to cry foul too much on that one. But if we get the first goal, they need to come out. I think we'll, that's a, a 2 or 3 nil game at that point because we have the players that could hurt them on the break. We don't get that first goal and you allow them to do exactly what they've done. Sit in, frustrate, and then you're looking at other players off the bench to change the game, which thankful, thankfully we had last night. But we made it far, far more difficult than it ever had to be. Yeah, I would agree with that, Tess. First half, um, then uh, we spoke about that. The, the, the goal obviously wasn't, wasn't allowed and, and therefore... Um, Rangers coming into that half, I, I thought we had the better better of the game to be honest, without being being fantastic up until the up until the Bronby goal. Um, we could have done a bit, we could have done better with a couple of chances. Uh, I think Morelos had one from distance, and Sakala had one when he was he was put through by Aribo. That, um, given the form, can you call one game form? Given the given the success he had last weekend, uh, I think he might have been able to take that in a little bit better and, and possibly do well with it. Um, but. I thought we definitely had the the bulk of the play without really creating a, a number of chances that you would think were were missed opportunities. Um, what was your your take on the first half? We we were the better team in the first half. We were the better team over ninety minutes, but that's not really saying much because Bronby are honking. I think the only thing worse than Bronby has been us in Europe this hmm. season. We've been awful. Look 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 at the away form. We've um is it four? That's that's four away games in Europe now. Uh, we lost at, um, at Malmo. We lost in Prague. We got a draw against Al- Alas Kerr. We got a draw last night. It's just not. It's in keeping with the majority of the rest of the season. It's not been good enough. So yeah, we we, we were the better team, but again, the opposition were absolutely rotten. So uh, you know, we, we we should we should have put them away. We, we had we had more than enough chances to do the business against them last night, and we didn't. Um, we didn't play badly as such, but we all know that we can play a hell of a lot better. And again, it's so galling to to only get a point against opposition that standard because Bronby were terrible. Yeah, I would agree. They, they didn't show show much at all. Um, I felt that the back three that they played, um, it's it was quite narrow. Um, in terms of how they set up and it looked like they, they pretty much were trying to go one-on-one with the, the Rangers forwards who are also obviously quite narrow. I, I feel that we probably could have done a bit more, uh, Ross, in terms of stretching the play. Having Sakala and Aribo playing out a little wider um, might have helped us kind of create some spaces for, for Arfield or, or even Bassi and Tavernier on the overlap to, to run into. So while we, we definitely had the bulk of the play, I thought we were a little bit predictable and as Tess said, Bronby were, were not great at all. I really think we, we probably should have um should have at least got a goal, I think, in the first half. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Look, I think um Arfield had had a decent enough game last night and try to be more direct and making runs in behind, but you're right, if we're not giving them the space to do that, which we weren't a lot of the time, then and you know, he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing, especially when you have players in the team like Sakala who you would like to be able to see getting behind a wee bit more than what we did very direct, you know, you're getting with Sakala, didn't really come off from last night, showed a lot in terms of endeavour and things that we spoke about before, did have that one moment where he beat the Bromby player, got in, maybe should have done a wee bit better, but we didn't really give ourselves the best chance of hurting Bromby last night, and I think that's part of my frustration. 
Now, we started really well. How often have we said it again? We started the game well and kind of fell away towards the end of the first half. But in those opening exchanges, I thought we were winning the ball back really well. I thought our counter-pressing was probably as good, if not the best, it's been all season in terms of winning the ball back off them. Because, look, Bromby are a limited side. I think they are arguably the worst team that we have played at this level of uh, competition in Europe. They're not fantastic. And again, that comes back to the frustration of last night of... You can look at it two ways, whether you're a glass half full or, full or a glass half empty type person. It's a bit of a missed opportunity for me because I feel as though we should be sitting far more comfortable in this group than what we currently are, needing to go and beat Sparta, Prague, Ibrooks. But you could say that about domestically as well. It's not something that's just limited to Europe. I know Tess spoke about the kind of disappointing away form there. In terms of last night, we don't we didn't give our chance the best uh, we didn't give ourselves the best chance that we could in this group to progress now don't get me wrong i still think that we will but we should be sitting far more comfortably than what we are but when you play like that and you don't give yourself the best chance to go and actually hurt Bromby, then you're going to cause yourself problems and letting them into the game the way we did we did cause ourselves problems in the end and we really do only have ourselves to blame for that test the goal um the Bromby goal we've spoke about our um for defending in general but but mostly uh, set pieces I think just now uh, I can't remember the exact numbers but certainly five in the last month or so I would I would say that have been directly because of a, a set piece um, Bromby's tactic for the set piece was was uh, quite interesting they kind of bunched up quite uh, quite tight together basically in the in the middle of our six yard box uh, it's not the greatest delivery in the world but the guy gets a gets a flick on and then um, we always say when when the, the player gets the, the first header on the ball, it becomes a bit of a lottery in there. I think given where that cross came in, uh, him getting the flick on, you're always running the risk of one of your players putting that into to their net. Um, I personally thought at the game, and I've not really changed my mind much after it. I, I thought there's not really much Balogun can can do about that. I've seen a few mes- a few queries about his position, etc. But for me, I think that's just one of those own goals that if it hits off you, it goes in the net, and and it's a kind of that's the the chance that you take by defending so close to your box. It, it's still a very sloppy goal to lose, and it's part of a theme of of defensive mistakes or, or defensive concerns with with players. But what was what was your thoughts on it? Was there anything we could have done better to avoid that? So I, I, I only watched the goals for the first time about half an hour before we started recording. Unfortunately, due to my work commitments last night, I had to make do with listening to the match on the radio. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd, I'd seen some of the comments about um, how it was a horrific goal to give away. Uh, but I don't think any of the comments quite prepared me for what I saw. Mate, I couldn't believe it. That was an absolute bullet header. Now, obviously, you know, the, the, a ball like that comes into the box. Uh, when, when, you, when you beat the first defender, like you say, anything can happen. When it's in the six-yard box, anything can happen. You don't really want to head it up because when it drops down, it can go anywhere. You're a bit cautious about heading it out because if they've got a fella a la Paul Scholes on the end of the box, he's just going to smash it and you don't know what's going to happen then. But what you certainly don't do <laughs> is head it with as much gusto as you can muster past your own goalkeeper. I... I uh, mate, he's he's been he's defending this season has been exemplary. I don't think there's anybody who can deny that for pure defending this season, uh, Balogun has, has been our best player. That's you know he, he's he's been he's, he's stepped up when required and he's been immense. But that mistake last night, mate, was terrible. I think again. Th- it seems all the goals that we're giving away, it's not a breakdown in the system, it's individual errors. And that, for me, comes down to concentration. You know, it's not the fact that we're conceding goals because the defence completely breaks down, no one knows their position, no one knows what they're doing. It's individual errors. And it was an individual error again last night, mate. Um, again, I, I, I knew it was going to be bad from some of the comments that I'd seen. And obviously the commentators last night weren't, I think it was... Richard Foster and Stephen Thompson on BBC Scotland. So they weren't too bad. They weren't as bad as some could have been about it, but they said it was pretty shocking. And then I seen it and I mate, I just couldn't believe it. Again, there's not that much you can do, but what he certainly doesn't want to do is smash it past his own keeper. So mate, it was a terrible goal to give away. I think on the point, Tess, of individual errors, and again, something I was speaking about last night as well, because of the ridiculousness, if you, if you like, about the actual way it went in with Balogun's header, it's taken a lot of the heat off Morelos, who, if you watch the goal back, 
he's a, meant to be defending the edge of our six-yard box. He's the furthest person forward in that regard. And the run he allows the Bromby player to get on him to flick it on back that obviously comes off Balogun is criminal. Can't be letting that happen. And it's just, I think, a basic lack of, of concentration. And look, I'm not wanting to point fingers too much or be hypercritical. I'm not that guy. But it's something that I don't think has been mentioned an awful lot, if I'm being honest. But you clear that ball as you should. It's not even a great corner. I think that's half the frustration. You clear that ball at the first man. We're not having this conversation. And we're not having a conversation about could Leon Balogun's body position be better, etc., etc. It's just something I wanted to highlight because I think it's not been mentioned an awful lot. But it's a key factor in that goal. I think that's I think that's spot on. To be honest, I think there, there is a tendency to look at the point of the the last point of failure, uh, if you like, uh, and I'm I'm guilty of that myself. Uh, looking what actually caused the goal, regardless of everything that happened before, what actually caused the goal. When sometimes it's a bit of a, a, a culmination. You look at um, Golson losing Mugabe uh, at the weekend uh, and Mugabe getting the shot, and you can argue some people might think McGregor should have saved the the, the initial shot or, or at least parried it further away. Some people might think he shouldn't be get, getting beat at his near post when when Mugabe puts that in, but Golson gives the opportunity. Uh, you look at, at the the second goal uh, against Aberdeen where Tavernier loses Scott Brown, loses his man. Whether you, you say he's not strong enough, whether he just gets a run off him, I think both things can can happen. I think we've seen that on, on Thursday night. But regardless, um, I actually hadn't realised or it hadn't clicked with me that just how poor Bronby have been in front of goal. I think coming into the game, they had one shot on target over, over the three games and, and hadn't scored a goal. If you want to be technical about it, they, they got no shots on target last night, given that Balogun scored their goal and, and they scored no no goals. So um, after four games, they haven't yet managed to muster even a, a goal from from their own uh, their own player. I think tells you all you need to do. It tells you all you need to know about um, how well they play and how much of an impact they they have had in in the group and the fact that we're only a couple of points ahead of them um, isn't great, but. We've only got ourselves to blame, I think, as, as far as Europe is, is concerned this season. Uh, Ross, into the, the second half, um, we mentioned the, the three forwards weren't uh, weren't exactly setting the header on fire, uh, if you like. And I think Gerard agreed. Uh, he he brought on three subs in the 57th minute, which uh, astonished me, uh, to be honest. Uh, we're obviously up in the up in the press area, and I seen Hadji's head pop up and thought, okay, Hadji's coming on. Then I seen Roof's head pop up and thought, wow, Roof's coming on as well. And then Kent. Moved to the touchline as well. I was not expecting uh, a triple whammy. That's that's very brave for the manager. Uh, what were your thoughts when you you seen the the subs coming on, and how do you think they they did? Well, I think Gerard deserves a wee bit of credit for the subs because in the face of it, they came on and changed the game. For us, we were a lot better after the substitutes came on. We dominated the ball a lot better, and we actually looked as though we carried a threat, something which we hadn't since the gold war. You could say we hadn't since midway through the first half, if I'm being totally honest, but we certainly hadn't in the, the early stages of the second half after the goal. In terms of the actual people who came off, look, Sakala Morelos on booking. Sakala, his first booking was a bit of a joke. Probably lucky not to get booked for his, his later challenge in the first half. There was a lot of chat in the commentary and in our group chat about Maybe best just to kind of take him off, don't don't risk it. Morelos wasn't really doing an awful lot either at, the, at that point. So Ruffin um, had to come on there, made a lot of sense. Ryan Kent coming on as well, it's obviously really good to see that he's back. And I thought he was you know, surprisingly sharp last night. And I don't mean that in any kind of way. I'm surprised that Ryan Kent played well. But after that length of time out, it can sometimes take players a wee bit of time to get back to match sharpness instead of match fitness because they're two different things. But I thought he came on really sharp last night. The only thing that surprised me on the face of it was Arfield coming off, because as, as I said earlier on, I thought he had a really good game. That's probably a fitness thing, if we're being totally honest. There might have been a, an agreement there beforehand that he'd get 60-odd minutes and then come off. Maybe he's not ready to play the kind of full 90 like that. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. But in terms of the subs coming on, changing the game, like it's not something Gerard does an awful lot, especially not to that extent, and that's where a really good use of the five substitutions was, was there. I was quite happy to see that because, as I say, it's been a big sticking point for us as fans about Gerard over the years. He doesn't tend to use substitutes that well. So I think when he does use them well, he deserves a wee bit of credit and it should be highlighted. Completely agree. Yeah, we can't test 
moan when when he doesn't make changes to to change the game, uh, and then moan when he when he does. Uh, and I think Ross has nailed it. Uh, we maybe lacked a little bit of fluency in the first half. Morelos having an early booking, and as Ross said, essentially having one and a half yellow cards for Sakala going into that game probably forced his hand a little bit, certainly as far as Sakala is concerned. But um, the decision proved fruitful for us. Uh, we started to play a bit more as a team. We started to be a little bit more fluid. I counted two or three really promising team goals, um, uh, team chances, sorry, that, that we managed to get a, a decent amount of build-up in, even if we didn't manage to, to get much of a, a shot at goal. And obviously the goal itself was was a really well-worked move through through Bronby's lines. Um, I think he, he needs to get praise for, for the way that he changed the game, albeit we didn't do enough to, to get a win. I think the far substitutions thing helps us, mate. You look at last season when we had nine on the bench, it could bring five out. And obviously the depth of our squad outside one other team in Scotland was, was greater than anyone else's. And I think we we did use it to good effect. And then again, last night, if if we only had three subs to make, he's not making that triple substitution, but it was that triple substitution that got us back into the game. Uh, Kent came on and again, he, he, he looked maybe not much fit, but he certainly looked sharp. His acceleration was good, although he, you know, he wouldn't be able to do it over over 90 minutes at the moment, but he, he looked fairly sharp. Obviously, Hadji, you know, he, he loves the European game, so I'm not surprised that he scored. But them pair combining for our equaliser, mate, that's what it's all about. That's what you do with your subs. But again, I think, obviously, um, the FIFA way forever it was that the people who run the show have passed a resolution saying that that five substitutes thing, it's going to become a thing now. Um, I, I can only hope that in Scotland they vote for it because that's the kind of thing that with the squad that we've got and the way that we've used the substitutions, that being able to bring five on, it's something that's really helped us in the past. So I thought we, we, we did really well last night. But again, if we only had three subs, we're not making that change and we're probably not getting anything out of that much. Yeah, I like the five subs thing. It's, it's probably a little bit biased, I guess, because we, we we do have a huge squad and we can do do these things. I've certainly felt in, in the league we've been hampered a little bit from from having to, to have a smaller bench and then obviously obviously the three subs. Ross, um, there used to be a, a rule where you had to have two, I can't remember what age it was, two under 21s, I think, on, on the bench. And it was seen as a little bit of a, a token gesture. Uh, putting them on the bench when they're not ready. This is this is kind of the opposite, I guess. You, you're able to put five subs on. So even if um, smaller clubs don't have as big of a, a squad, um, the, the players that they've got on the bench know there's a possibility they might get on for 10 or 15 minutes at end of games that they may not have had in the past. So I, I think this obviously has a benefit for bigger teams and be able to have a lot more flexibility and change fundamentally change their team uh, in games. But I don't think it necessarily doesn't have advantages for other clubs as well. And the conversation is skewed that way around five substitutes at all times, or oh, it'll just benefit the bigger teams. You have see it a lot in the conversation about it down south, don't you? Oh, it'll benefit the big six and really nobody else. I, I think that's a completely wrong way to look at it. If we want to have a conversation about youth development, which is something that, as you know, I'm quite passionate about, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for that, because if you have the five substitutes, even for a team, for example, I'm not going to come across as patronising, but, you know, we've seen it happen in games before. Where a team will come to Ibrox and the game's done at 70 minutes. We're three or four up. And the opposition manager will decide to put on some youth players just to give them a wee bit of experience at that level against this level of opposition and give them that kind of taste for first-team football. We've seen it happen countless times, haven't we? How many times? Even at three substitutes, we've seen it happen. I think this is a fantastic way to do that again. Now, even for smaller teams, if they are struggling in the game or they're struggling in the season, they have that youth player in their bench that can come on and possibly change a game. And I think for giving youth a chance, it's a fantastic bit of innovation. Now, I didn't ever really expect it to go back to three substitutes after the five substitute rule was introduced. I think once that GD is out of the bottle, it's away. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, to use a cliche. But now that it's here and now that we're talking about seriously implementing it, dead on for the future. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic for youth development. I don't, don't really see it going any other way than that, to be honest. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how things go with that. Tess, just on, on the goal itself then, as I said, lovely lovely move. Rebo did very, very well to release Kent. And I think, as we said, Kent was was looking very sharp when he came on. I think he's been delayed about a week as far as when the manager said he would be ready. Uh, and he certainly looked like he was he was back to near his, his peak, albeit he only got half an hour. But that's that's what he gives us. Um, he gives us that drive from, from the middle of the park, able to take players on. 
um, either side and, and commit defenders. The ball through to Hadji was perfect and it's a fantastic finish, really. Um, ideal view for me at the, the side of the pitch to see that, see him collect the ball and, and put it in the corner of the net. It was no more than we deserved, I think. I don't think we were ridiculously the better team in terms of hundreds of chances, etc. But as I said earlier on, getting a, coming away with a, a loss in that game would have been um, pretty unfair for us so that we got the goal through the manager making the changes to the two the two guys that have got his uh, goals and assists last year. Um, so much I thought that was that was great. It was just a really pleasing goal to see. If if we'd have lost last night, mate, it would have been criminal. Again, I say that we were the better team, but I think least worst is probably the best way of putting it. Um, it's great to see Ryan Kent back. It's it was definitely worth waiting a sex a week because we you know we're in it. I expect him to get at least an hour on Sunday, get some um, running in, get some fitness into his legs. Then he's got two. Well, he's got yeah, he's got two weeks before the semi final against Nibs to uh, recover and get get himself back to where he needs to be. So I, I expect to see him play at least a half, more than likely 60 to 65 minutes on Sunday because he needs to. But yeah, it's great to see him back, mate. We've really missed him. I mean, this season he's not. Um, he he played out of his skin against Real Madrid and then seemingly he disappeared. Well, Winana, that's because he was he was carrying an injury and having to have pain killing, pain killing injections before each match, which isn't ideal. So that is taking this little bit of time out. Um, got himself back to where he needs to be. Um, I won't say we've not missed him because, you know, clearly, obviously the results would show that we haven't because we're top of the league. But clearly anybody's going to miss a player of his quality. So hopefully now he's got that little bit of foolishness out of the way. That's him for the rest of the season. Give him an hour or so on uh, Sunday against Ross County. Show us what he can do. And it's just nice to have him back, isn't it? No, it absolutely is. I think he, he is the the attacking player that, that we rely on the most. We've spoken about this before, both in and out of possession. He he links things together very well in a way that uh, no one else can do. I know we've got Sakala and Wright who who have pace and are able to uh, to get us up the park, but I think Kent Kent does both sides of the game very, very well for us and he's he's a huge uh, a huge bonus to have him have him back. Uh, and obviously we've got the international break coming up as well. So I think he alluded and he's he's interview earlier today on Rangers TV that, that having the break will just let him top up that fitness uh, and we'll see how he how he does when he comes back after that but I'm expecting him to to motor from now. Ross we did have um, another couple of, of chances most of them were uh, kind of half chances I, I guess um, other than the the roof chance in the 93rd minute um, it's if you look at it out of context, it's very, very close to to the the goal. It's not dissimilar to the chance he had against Motherwell, albeit he or the goal he scored against Motherwell, I should say, albeit he's a bit further back. And obviously the ball's coming at his head rather than, than at his feet where he just had a tap in. But he's in that kind of area and he is peeling off into those back post areas from, from set pieces a lot. He, he's going to get goals in those situations. I thought this one, while you look at it and you look how far out he is he, and it hit the side net and I must admit I, I thought it was in um, but what was your what was your take on it could he have done better with it was he stretching for it and out of balance and it was always going to be a terrific finish if he managed to get his, his head around it or, or do you think he, he should have done better with it yeah I was, I was off my seat as well I'm not going to lie I thought he'd scored too eh, I'm not I'm not going to stand here and have a go at him for it personally I think the way it was coming at him would possibly have made it quite a difficult finish I think the thing that encourages me about Ruth in those situations is he is almost always a bit of a hitman for it. He's, he's a killer. He's clinical in those situations. And I've said time after time, he is probably the most predatory finisher that we have at the club. In terms of an out-and-out striker, he would like the ball to fall to in the box more or less 10 times out of 10. I would, I would pick Ruth. In that situation, I understand what you're saying, that he's in that position, he's peeling off. It is somewhat similar to the motherwell, uh, the motherwell goal. I'm not going to have a go at him too much for it, though. I think the way the ball was coming to him, his positioning, the way I think he was kind of falling back a wee bit, I think he would have done really well to get out on target. I don't know if I'm maybe being too lenient or, or you boys see it differently, but it's not the kind of thing that I'm going to go in two-footed on him for, especially given what he's done for Rangers so far. I think it would have been a pretty difficult finish, or a pretty good finish, rather, if he managed to score from there. Yeah, Tess, I don't think it's a bad miss by by any stretch. Um he literally is stretching to, to try and get get the goal. What's your what's your thoughts? 
There's not really much more we could have done, mate. Um, I've seen people having a go at him about it. I say see people. I, I rarely go on social media because when I do, it always seems to be somebody having a mod about something. So the brief period of time I spent on there last night, I've seen people having a go at him in the same way they had a go at him for that chance against Aberdeen last week, not noticing that the ball actually stood away from him before he was lining up to shoot. Yeah, last night, mate, he, he was stretching for it. He couldn't really have done much more because he isn't plastic, man. It, it, it was a good opportunity. He tried his best. He didn't, he didn't score. We move on. 100%. Um, before we, we move on, then, I think it would be remiss of us not to talk about uh, the Brown Bay police and, and fans. Um, David and myself were, were, at, were over in Copenhagen. We, we were covering the, the game for Heart and Hands. Um, we were in the press section, obviously, Um and we were in there from about an hour and a half before kickoff, I would say. You could see the fans start to, to trickle in quite slowly. It looked like to me like the top tier was was a lot emptier than the, the bottom tier was to begin with. And to be honest, it looked a little bit imbalanced even when, when the game kicked off, which I think speaks to how disorganised Bronby appeared to be in, in getting fans into the stadium and into the, the correct areas. Um, I just don't think they were as organised as, as they could be in general, both Brunby and, and the police, for a game that they had apparently categorised as as high risk. But, um, yeah, it didn't really seem like they, they had put the necessary security precautions, uh, precautions in place. Um, we also had a bit of a surreal moment uh, when in the main stand just before the game started when a group of Brunby fans ran past the press area uh, and into the Brunby main stand uh, to try and attack what I think what we believe were, were Rangers corporate fans in, in the main stand. Um, they, they did appear to retreat quite quickly, but my understanding is that they did manage to get in and, and attack uh, the Rangers corporate fans and Rangers have or, or are planning to put in a, a complaint to, to UEFA about it. Um, the police made it into the stand and I, I couldn't quite see from my angle if they stayed in for um, for the duration or if it was just a period of time, but clearly yeah, security wasn't wasn't what it could have been inside the stadium uh, and then Tess we, we saw reports and, and videos of fans being battened by the police outside uh, becoming all too familiar I think uh, away in, in Europe for this heavy handedness to to happen I, I certainly seen nothing that would suggest that it was warranted um, they had issues with their turnstiles I think only one or two were open to try and get two or three thousand fans in uh, and then obviously there was there was complaints from the police that that we had they seemed to say we'd, we'd arrived too early, despite it being the police that had sent the fans on the train to the stadium at that time. So all a bit confusing, and I think they kind of just lost the they lost control and unfortunately resorted to battening, uh, as they do all too frequently. I don't particularly hold football police in high regard anyway, but on the continent, it's just a joke, mate. Anytime any British team goes abroad or fans of the England national team, no matter what they're up to. Yeah, you, you get some daffies who go looking for it and they find it, but most people go over there for a, a few a few bevies, a bit of a sing-song and watch the match. You know, the, the heavy-handed policing showed by um, foreign police officers to British people attending sporting events is absolutely disgusting. Um, I wouldn't have expected the Danish to behave like that. You do associate it more with the Italian police. Um, the the Belgians aren't particularly nice. The Spanish certainly aren't. You do expect it more with places like that. So for the Scandinavian police to behave like that, I was I was very surprised. But again, it's it, it's it's nothing new. It's been happening to British fans abroad for for years and years and years now. If the if the police don't get you, the local hoodlums will, and the police will give you no protection. So I'd like to think that. The club are gonna obviously the, the corporate fans that happen in the ground they're gonna they're gonna make complaints about that but also the fellas in the cheap seats I'd like to see the club put the neck on the line and say something about that because obviously you, you, yourself and David you could hardly refer to as as, um, as romper stompers and for you to get caught up in it to in it well two media two media accredited people attending the match for for those purposes just enjoying yourselves and that for you to get caught up in it as well that just shows how indiscriminate the whacking was so hopefully. Rangers will have a, grow a pair of balls and say something about it because this kind of stuff has gone on far too long. And the more people stay, the more the clubs stay quiet about it, 
you know that, that that creates a void for the media I've, I've noticed today that some some media outlets in scotland are running with that there's a video that apparently shows a rangers fan smacking a copper well obviously we don't know what the copper did to deserve that but that's what they're leading with it's not innocent men women and children and elderly people were battered by the cops for no reason it's big bad rangers fan smacks copper so you know the more the more the club are quiet about it obviously the media are going to step in and fill that vacuum so now I'd I'd very much like Rangers to come out and say something about it because it's nothing new and the more they stay silent the more it's going to continue to happen yeah absolutely and, and hopefully when we see what what the outcome of this complaint is we can we can uh, we can start to move on on from it but I, I completely agree uh qualification chances then Ross it, it seems a bit odd considering we we've spoken about how poor we've we've been in Europe this season and we've only won one game out of four but we're still in a really good place qualification wise um it sounds like any win other than a 1-0 against Sparta Prague uh it sends us through provided the Bronby don't beat Leon. Uh, is that your assessment of it first of all and what's what's your take on the, the next couple of games uh yeah my kind of take on it is a 2-0 win season through um that's obviously being being the minimum because it goes through the head-to-head not goal difference in, in Europe, which is a key factor in this. It'll go to the head to head between ourselves and Sparta. So a 2 0 win overtakes a 1 0 win, sends us through. Then you don't have to worry about going to Leon. If we were to win 1 0 at home to Sparta, it complicates things slightly because you would need to go to Leon and you could theoretically still finish third. But our goal difference, I believe, is significantly better than Sparta's. So as long as we didn't get a battering, which I don't think we would, then would go through again. But it is still in their own hands, and I think that's the main thing. I think we'll do it. I'm not worried about playing Sparta Ibrox at all. And that's, again, possibly part of the frustration about not being more comfortable than what we are in this group. Sparta Prague aren't a great side. Bromby are a worse side. And I think we didn't do ourselves justice over in Prague for a multitude of reasons. In the same way, we've not done ourselves justice in Europe this season well at all. But I think we'll quite comfortably take care of Sparta Prague at Ibrox. I'm not saying that in any kind of hubris way. I just think we're a better team than them. We have better players than them. And at home, I would really fancy us to go and do the business. And with that carrot at the end of it, that 2-0 win or a result like it that would send us through, I'm more than confident the players will be able to go and do the business in, in that kind of setting. But yeah, I'm still really confident of, of going through in the Europa League don't really want to drop down in the Conference League, although we are now guaranteed pretty much Europe after after Christmas. But I'll be honest, the Conference League is not part of my consideration whatsoever. I really want us to go do the business and then just put this to bed. Which is weird because we've not been great in Europe this season, but we could be in a position where two wins could see us through the group. And if that's enough, then so be it. Go and do it. Yeah, it's a strange one, Tessa. I get what Ross is saying, and the the 2-0 win is, is the easiest way, way to do it, but um, given the superior goal difference that Ross mentioned as well, a 2-1 against Sparta Prague, which if we're honest is probably going to be more likely given that we can't we can't keep clean sheets, a 2-1 I think puts it down to that goal difference point, and if we can keep, even if we get beaten Leon, if we can keep the goal difference, I believe it's 4 at the minute, so obviously a 2-1 win would bring it up to 5, if we can keep that swing in our favour across the two games, then, then we should go through. We're still in a good position regardless. I think the goal last night was was huge in that sense. Obviously, the win would have been better, but the goal sort of takes Bronby out of it or, or certainly decreases their, their chances of, of qualification quite significantly. Um, what do you think? How do you think things are going to go over the next two two games? I just want to give Sparta a hiding, mate. They're a disgusting football club with the disgusting supporters. And the more we beat them by, the happier I'm going to be. So it's, uh, again, a 2-0 more than nightly sees us into the last 32 of the Europa League, when I believe we'd come up against one of the teams up and down from the Champions League. So if we were to do that, I mean, you're looking at, um, I think, Barca and Inter are currently occupying some of those ones at the moment. So you are looking at a marquee trip, but probably not progressing to the last 32. Um, If it was all to go tips up and we finish third, because I think now... I can't see us finishing bottom of the group because Bronby aren't going to get anything against Leon, and I think it's very doubtful they'll get anything to get. Well, they'll beat Sparta to be honest. I don't. I can't see that happening. So if it goes tips up and we end up third and drop into the conference, I've, I've had a little look at it last night. I think Ren, Tottenham, and Roma. This Roma team you don't know, but Ren, Tottenham, and Roma you wouldn't really want to go up against. Carabag are pretty decent, and you got another disgusting football club from Prague in there as well. Who you know, part of me wants to face, part of me doesn't. So if you if you drop into the Conference League, mate, if our form picks up, which 
it's got to. Let's be right. We're a lot better than Michonne at the moment. If our form picks up, then you've got a punch's chance of winning that competition. However, the final's going to be played in somebody's back garden in Albania. So I think out of the three of us, maybe only one of us will get to go and everyone else gets gets to watch it at home. But there, there, there are advantages whichever way you look at it, mate. I mean, having Europe after Christmas, considering where we have been, it's fantastic. But looking at Rangers as we are now under Gerard, that's pretty much the minimum we come to expect. The money's slightly better in the Europa League. You are going to get a marquee tie, which, I mean, whoever we play, our is going to be full. We're getting 50,000 for the qualifiers against um, Gibraltar Minnows a couple of years ago. So whoever it is, you're going to fill it. You're going to you're going to fill the coffers that way. But again, there are there are um, there are there are positives to both of it. Again, Europa League, a wee bit of money, get a marquee tie. I think we'd all like a trip to the San Siro or the or the New Camp or somewhere on on that level. I mean, obviously, Feyenoord and Porto were good, but this has just taken it up a couple of notches again. So we'd all enjoy that. But then you've got to say we're going out. In, we're going out. We're not going to get to the last sixteen. Again, drop into the conference league, got a puncher's chance of winning it. So, in in, in conclusion, I would give uh, Sparta Prague an absolute tanking, but I honestly don't mind which competition we're in after Christmas because there are benefits to both. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. There certainly are uh, benefits to both. Like you said, the Europa is is getting a lot tougher. Um, you could argue some of the groups this year have been a lot tougher than, than some of the groups last year. Maybe not, maybe not our one necessarily but certainly as you go into it um you're right with with those dropouts etc looking to be a pretty high caliber from from the champions league um i i think if you want a deep run in the competition and there will be people out there who, who very much don't there may be a minimum amount of people out there who would who would prefer us to go out completely um and focus on the the league and, and the cups but there are certainly options there that i think uh are worth worth talking through for, for me i think i just want us to to win whenever we play. So if that means going to the Europa and, and having a, a puncher's chance against a bigger team, I think that's that's what we want to be setting ourselves against. But I completely understand anyone who, who would like a run in a, a lesser competition, if you will, because um, European football for longer uh, would be a priority for them. That's that's absolutely fine with me. Moving on to the, the main priority, I think, then, is, is obviously Ross County on, on Sunday. We, we managed to extend our lead or re-extend our lead that should be uh, at the weekend just past uh, with Celtic dropping points and us, us beating Motherwell. Um, Ross Ross County are not great uh, at all. Uh, I believe they, they are still they are bottom of the league after Dundee Dundee beat them so um, quite emphatically was it not? It was 5-0? No sorry Ross County beat Dundee 5-0 didn't they? Um, so it's difficult to gauge I guess because they are bottom of the league um, we did well against them up in up in Dingwall, um, albeit I think we rode our luck a little bit at times. But it was up until Sunday that it was our, our highest performing, highest scoring game domestically in the league, where we, we got the four goals. Do you see a repeat of that this weekend? Surely against the team that's bottom of the league, we we have to be in with a fighting chance of at least keeping a clean sheet for the first time in a month. Oh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? I was uh, I was up in Dingwall for the away game against Ross County, and I thought we played really well in patches in that in that game. In terms of the goals that Ross County scored, one was a defensive howler from us, one of many this season, and the other one was a penalty. Apart from that, I didn't think that they offered a hell of a lot. I think we made them look possibly a wee bit better than what they actually are at points. But going forward, I think they're really there to be got at. They're not fantastic defensively. They are bottom of the league for a reason. And just because they went away and battered Dundee doesn't mean that we have anything to fear against the bottom of the league side coming to Highbrooks on Sunday. I would like to see a few changes made to the side. I think I would like to bring guys in like Nathan Patterson, possibly Jack Simpson as well, get a wee bit of rotation in. Because quite frankly, if you can't rotate against Ross County, bottom of the league, Ross County at Highbrooks, then what's the point in having a big squad? A couple of other guys coming in, possibly like Lundstrom, for example. I would possibly let Hadji keep his place from the other night as well. I think there's some rotation to be had there. I think there's really good goals to be to be had against Ross County. I feel as though it could be a, a decent wee game to try and get confidence levels up, performance levels up ahead of the international break and ultimately the, the semi-final against Hibs in a couple of weeks. I think it's a really good opportunity to try and use the squad and get goals in there and, as you say, just keep a clean sheet. No defensive errors. Let's not make this more difficult than it has to be. This should be a pretty straightforward win on Sunday. But I've said that a few times this season. It's not really worked out. But I am I'm confident we'll be absolutely fine. 
Tess, the manager spoke last year about blocks of games and and kind of going to the well continually in those block of games and finishing on a high before uh, before international breaks because the the squad could get a rest. However, um, the players in our team who you would you would argue that that would be candidates for a rest uh, are, are also players that are going to be very heavily involved in in their uh, in their international uh, games. I'm looking at. Balligan, Stephen Davis, maybe to an extent Glenn Kamara, and then Kamara Roof we know can't necessarily play 90 minutes every every few days and has a significant amount of travel. How would you approach a, a game like this with that in mind? With the, 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 we don't want to prioritise international football over club football, um, but with that in mind and, and with the, the general state of the squad, and as Ross mentioned, playing against a team who are bottom of the league and, and we should be able to to beat them quite comfortably regardless. How would you how would you play it? Who would you like to see coming in? Who do you think deserves a deserves a chance to, to keep their place in the team? It's a strange one, isn't it? Because we we could rest players on Saturday on Sunday who could then go over their international teams and get injured. So then you ask yourself, well what was the point? Obviously the first game back after the international break is possibly the biggest game of the season that the, the semi-final of the league cup win that and you're in a final you got a, a chance of the first silver of the season so we even though Hibs are on a real downturn of form uh, or they were before they stopped playing football I think it will be four weeks since the last set of match when we like when they line up against us but that's that's a huge match so you've got to have one eye on that but also like I say you can you can say right we're going to rest you because you've played enough and you're going into officer duty and then they go away with it with their um with their country and get injured so I think I don't think he's gonna. I don't think Davis is gonna start um, because we all know how much international football means to him. Even 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 when is is the um, he holds the most caps for um, any international and British football. You know he, he still loves it, and that that's a testament to him and the the pride he's, he's got in his in his wee country. Uh, so I can't see him starting. I don't think he'll start McGregor. Um, it seems to be that McLaughlin's getting more and more chances because, as we as we've spoke about on various pods, that transition now does appear to be an actual thing. So I don't think he's going to start Shagger. Uh, Barisic, it wouldn't surprise me if he came out and he put Bassi back in. One, Bassi's been playing better, and two, Barisic is going to be is is Barisic over Croatia. Um, over, over the break, he, he'll get a couple of games there. So I don't know. I mean, Ross County are bottom of the league, but we can't take anybody for granted because our home form this season has been absolutely shocking. You know, that the games against um, Aberdeen, okay, they're on a bit of a resurgence of form. Hearts, yep, they were second in the league at the time. Motherwell, no excuses for that. You know, th- th- those three draws have been very poor. So he's got to part a strong team. Strong team. He can't turn around and play the kids. But I, I, I do think they were going to be, like I say, McGregor, Barisic, Davis. I, I can't see them starting. Uh, I think he's going to start Alfie. Um, Roof, I don't think he will because he, he's going away to play for Jamaica. Uh, he can't play, um, he won't be able to play longer than an hour anyway. So I think we'll see a cameo from him. So, yeah, again, it's a strange one, mate. Like, as I keep saying, he can rest these players on Sunday and they go and get injured on the first day of training in an international. So yeah. it's a strange one. But no, I, I think the players who we'd expect him to rest, the, the older players, shall we say, and those who are a wee bit injury prone, he's going to rest. And as I said earlier on, I can see him giving Ryan Kent at least an hour because he needs to get that he needs to get that mileage back in his legs, and then he's got two weeks to recover afterwards. So yeah, yeah, I think everything everything is TV based, like you said. They can go away and, and get an injury, and it, it makes all the the best laid plans um, go to pot. Uh, I guess similarly when we get back from from Copenhagen, they could get injured in the first training session, and, and again plans would would go. Um, for me, I think. Um, it would be good to to see a few a few new faces. I wouldn't be surprised if Balligan steps out uh, after playing playing the two games, and I guess that that means Simpson. We can debate whether or not we think Simpson is good enough or, or deserves to play, but we we don't have many other options uh, at this stage. So, um, be interesting again with the front three. Ross, there's a lot of intrigue around that just now. I think we finally found our our shooting boots in in the last domestic game, but. Ross County is a bit of a different challenge, particularly at home. It could be that we might need a little bit more uh, finesse in that game. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Hadji coming back in after his uh, performance off the bench on, on Sunday, uh, sorry, on Thursday. Uh, and I would imagine Kent will, will probably come into the team at some point, if not play the full game. 
Yep, that's exactly why I said I'd keep Hadji in the team. That's exactly the kind of game you, you have Hadji in the squad for. It's not going to be a kind of end-to-end game like we've seen against against Bromby to, to some extent. Uh, I say end-to-end, they sat in a wee bit more once they got the goal, but there was some points where it was getting a wee bit frenetic towards the end when both teams were chasing a winner. Um, I think Sunday is exactly the kind of game that would suit Hadji. We've got a team that will probably try and sit in and frustrate us, and he's the best player in the team in terms of unlocking a side like that with intricate passing. Nobody else I'd rather have in that position. I could imagine Roof might actually start in that kind of case. I think he's really good at getting on the end of those Hadji balls. As I say, he's a, he's a bit of a hitman in the box. He'll score you goals. He's a really good person for Hadji to throw balls through to. Aribo, I reckon, might retain his place uh, for Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. Ryan Kent one's a wee bit more interesting for me because my worry would be if you start Ryan Kent and play him too much too soon, then you could risk aggravating that injury ahead of the international break. And obviously the bigger picture is the semi-final we've got Lumen. So maybe I wouldn't start him per se, but definitely give him another half hour, 45 minutes even. I think it's absolutely plenty for him. I don't want to be in a position where we feel the need to start him too quickly, too soon. We'd aggravate that injury and then he becomes a doubt for the semi-final because even though we do have the, the one game at a time mantra that served as well, you need to have an eye on that kind of game. Because the record in the Cups isn't good enough and we we really need to be going and winning them this year. And to do that, we need to have our best players available. So we shouldn't need Ryan Kent per se on Sunday. And I completely take Tessie's point that we can take no team for granted. But we should have players round about him that are more than good enough to go and do the business. And if we can get minutes in his legs in some way, shape or form, then yeah, absolutely. But I wouldn't be, wouldn't be rushing him into the side. Okay, so let's finish off with a, a very, very quick look into the accounts which Rangers released t- today uh, as we record on, on Friday. Um, Andy McGowan will be on the flagship on, on Monday with David to do a, a proper breakdown. It's absolutely not not my forty at all. Um, but um, there's a couple of headline things that, that came out for me on this. Um, a loss of, of 24.1 million, um, which isn't great uh, as a high-level figure. However, I think we need to take into account the impact of, of the pandemic. Uh, there was a huge loss of revenue as well. Um, despite the, the season ticket sales last season, um, ticket income went down by by 17.5 million. So if you offset that, look me looking at it logically, if you offset that against the 24.1 million, that's a, that's a huge chunk there. We also invested in the squad tests quite uh, significantly last summer. Um, Ruth Hadji and Itton coming in for over £10 million, I think, um, combined. Uh, and also the wages of the team went up um, by, I think it was about £3.8 million, uh, I read earlier on. So all of these things combined, you, you can look at glass half full or you can look at glass half empty. We have invested in the team. We were able to win the league as a, as a result of, of these investments. Uh, we did get hit by COVID as well as everyone else, and you can see that impact on on the balance sheet. Um, the board have said, Tess, that they are targeting profitability um, in the coming year, which I think, looking at these figures, makes me feel reassured because we look at these figures and they're at a point in time in isolation. I think it's the 30th of June. A lot has happened since then. Um, we could have sold players in the summer that wouldn't be included in these. It's almost a year behind. We need to think about that as well. But if the board are targeting that profitability um, in the coming year, that's massive given where we have been. But it does look like, particularly on the football side, um, either a player sale in, in January or or as close to a guarantee as possible of, of um, qualifying for the CL by, by winning the league looks like what we need. doesn't feel like we need both of those things to happen. Obviously, it would be great, but it certainly feels like one or the other. We're six years into a 10-year plan. So, you know, we're about, obviously, COVID, the, the effects of COVID have knocked us back a bit, but we're about where we, not where we need to be, we're about where we where we plan to be. Um, regarding the player sales, mate, we've got to start doing it sooner or later. That that has got to be the model for Rangers going forward. You know, the, you, you look at the likes of an Ajax reporter who can spot a talent, develop a talent, sell on for huge money. That's what we've got to be looking at doing. You know, that, that to be competitive and sustainable, that's what a team of Rangers size, well, not a team of Rangers size, a, a team who play in a league of our size and finances, that's what we need to be doing. So, Sooner or later, mate, the first big one's got to go because once the first big one goes, it's sending out a message saying, yeah, you ain't going to get our players on the cheap. We buy, we develop, we sell them for a profit. 
And then to, to players who can say, yep, come and join Rangers, stay with us for three, four, two, three, four years, win a couple of trophies, be a legend amongst the fans, then get your big move to a bigger league. You know, so that, that first sale has got to come soon and it's got to be a big and matey. If we if we get that direct entry into the Champions League next season, that's huge. But from a point that in May we can turn because you get that money up front, I think, don't you? Uh, I think you get it in is it the June or something? You get it. I, I might have got that wrong. I was this is that price of football thing, and I probably have got it wrong. So ignore that. But if we if we if we finish the season in May straight away, we can go out and start saying to players, oh, next season, we're guaranteed Champions League football. If you come to Rangers, you are guaranteed to have at least six games in the Champions League. And also, we know we've got that money coming anyway. So from a point of view of um, getting players in, that's huge. That's absolutely huge because we we we've, we know we've got the money to get a, a better standard of talent and pay bigger wages. We also know we've got that carrot of the Champions League to dangle in front of anybody who wants to come. So that that'll be huge, mate. But just because we get that, it doesn't mean we need to make the big sale. In the same way as if we make the big sale, it, it, it doesn't mean we don't need the Champions League. We need both. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be factoring in Champions League football onto the balance sheet every season because all it takes, if, if you if you say, yeah, we're dependent on that money, we're going to live as if we've got that money every year. The one year you don't make it, mate, everything goes tits up. We can't do that. That should be a Brucey bonus. That should be not purely for transfers. Obviously, you want to service some of the, I won't say service some of the debt. You want, you want to put some of that money towards other projects, but the bulk of that should be for transfers because we should not be banking on it. And that's where the player sales come in, mate. That, that, that we we need to start doing that for so many reasons. Yeah, absolutely. One one thing that that struck out to me on it was was the Dave King loan. I wasn't quite sure why that that had interest on it. My understanding was that the the loans coming in were were on the whole interest interest free. So that's a little bit strange. I'm not sure if there's anything regulatory there that that requires that. As I said, we're not financial experts, so we'll wait for Andy McGowan to, to dig into that and hopefully he has a bit more insight on, on that side. But Ross, as Tess said, I don't want us to ever get in a position where we have to bank on any any European money to to be profitable. I think it should always be be a bonus. However, looking at those accounts, the reality is not qualifying for the Champions League this season and uh, not selling a player uh, in the summer for 10, 12, 15 million has had a bit of an impact. They wouldn't necessarily show in these accounts, but at least it would be something that we would have money in the bank looking forward to to this year's account. So that's obviously had a little bit or quite a significant impact. Both of, both of those things, never mind not getting any of them. Yeah, and I think there's possibly reasons for the lack of kind of player trading on our end this summer, and that's because there was no liquidity in the market at the time. I think a director of a European club was speaking to a journalist, Tarek Panja, writes for the New York Times, who I quite enjoy reading his stuff. And he was saying to him that, well, your super club for making the transfers, obviously you have £100 million for Drag Realist, you're still top of my head, PSG, albeit in a, a free signing Messi, but for big wages and, and, and whatnot. But your super clubs are making those big moves. When you look at the kind of middle to lower rung of clubs, those 15 to £30 million transfers that usually kind of keep the market going, they weren't really happening at all. Not a lot of clubs were actually going out and splashing the cash that they didn't have and I think that probably happened as a wee bit I, I'm more than confident this summer we would maybe have looked to try and utilise the player trading model which is something that we now and I hope today's accounts sharpen the mind a wee bit as fans we need to get used to that because that is the future for us as a club that's where we are in the food chain unfortunately I'd love to have been around in the 90s Adam where we could go and splash the cash and buy some of the best talent in the world at a time world's moved on, football's moved on, and the money's kind of bypassed us. So that's where we are now. There are clubs in the world that do it really well, clubs that uh, Bisgrove has compared us to, in terms of Ajax, Porto and Dortmund. You know, those are clubs that, in a player trading sense that we would like to emulate. Now, look, the market they they are selling to, they'll be selling to you know, Germany and Spain and whatnot. We might not be looking to sell into that market, but we have the biggest league in the world on our doorstep down south, Tess, where you live in England. That is a market that we can sell to. And I think the point about the first sale needing to be a big one is spot on because that's a marker. And it's something that I've said with regret for a while when you look at our friends across the city. One thing they are very good at is no matter the contract situation or the price, they are very good at getting fees for their players. It is something that we are going to have to try and emulate at one point. And the first sale that we make has to be a big one because that's the marker. If we were to sell an asset for less than the worth, and that's, again, possibly deep into why we didn't do it this summer. If we have to sell an asset for less than the worth and it shows other clubs that they can come in 
and just lowball us on offers. We can't have that at all. If we're going to do this, we need to do it right because that is, quite frankly, how this club's future is going to be sustainable. So next summer, or indeed in January, if, if the offer comes in, if the right offer for the right player comes in, then we need to be able to make a big sale because, as I say, it's not it's, this is not just about selling one player or the club, it's about setting a marker down for future sales as well. And if this is the model, which it has to be that we're going to use, we need to do it right. So I absolutely massive for us going forward. Okay, um, that will do us for, for this week's show then. James, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, matey. And Ross, thank you. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you. And as mentioned, David will be back on on Monday with the flagship, where we will hopefully be discussing a, a victory against Ross County ahead of the international break. Um, if you've liked what you've heard here and you want to hear more, you can join us over at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where Ross will be starting a, a B team show from next week, covering the the B team games and players to look out for. Uh, results all that jazz so you can join us over there if you would like to hear more thank you all for listening i've been adam thornton i hope everyone has a good weekend and i hope your team wins Podcast Network.